You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Second line, line, it's up here on the up here on the screen. I'm a Rav. Rav says, the great Amor Rav, David. When you look into David, like Mishkach you won't find any other Avera that really is crucial. Bar Uriah, except about killing Uriah. Now again, does that include also uh, taking Bathsheba? Could be. Definitely the way he killed Uriah was wrong. Now where's Rob's proof? From a Pasuk? The Pasuk says, the Pasuk says when it refers to, and you can see here on the side, when a number of Prokim later, after David and Melch has already died, when we're dealing with, uh, uh, when we're dealing with Rehovam's son, Rehovam's son, I think Aviyam, he was not, uh, even the king Rehovam was, and it says that he was not like David. So you see, when we were thinking about other kings in light of David, we say that David was great. He was a paragon of what it meant to be a king. This thing he was not in his best. This was not what the best part of David. So you see, Rob says, that's his Avera. Abaya Kashisha, Rami Rav Adarav. Abaya Kashisha, not the original Abaya, but an older Abaya, not as famous. But he said, Rav, Rav said there's only one Avera based on that Pesach in Malachim. Mi Rav did Rav really say that? Rav, I have another tradition from Rav. Kibel David Loshon Hara. David did another Avera called Kabbalah Loshon Hara. Mar says, Gosh, I guess Rav, at a different time when Rav was teaching Torah, he said David did the Avera of Kabbalah Loshon Hara. Well, what was that? <laughs> that is going to be a little bit complicated, and we're going to talk about it right now. Gufa. Rav Amar, Kibbal David Lashon HaRa. Now, what was happening? Okay, so before, uh, in order to go through this quickly, I say 35 seconds. It might take a little more. Let's get the background. There's a number of things going on. There's, of course, the fact that David HaMelech becomes the king after Shaul. And even though we know from, we had the inside story, when we read the story of Sefer Shmuel, we realized that David was meant to be the king. We realized there was a Ruach Ra against Shoal, that Shoal was not seeing things correctly. There were people in Klai Yisrael who felt that Shoal should still be king and felt that perhaps David had done a, 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 a coup and had overturned Shoal and had put Shoal over, even though Shoal was dead because uh, he died fighting the, 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 fighting the battle with Belishtim. Maybe uh, it should have the, the Malchus should have been in Shoal's family. And of course, Yonatan had also died. But maybe there were others. Maybe there should have reached uh, the Zerah HaMalchus should be after uh, after uh, with the base Benyamin of Shoal. That's thing, that's, you have to realize that. Now, David also dealt with people who uh, felt that he shouldn't be king. And the fact that he had taken Uri uh, Batsheba, the fact that people knew about it, and people realized the story got out. Nothing stays secret, even in the time of the Tanakh. That was people had tainas, as we saw earlier in Gomorrah, that we learned earlier in this Masechta. People had tainas on David, even after, up until the point that he died. Okay, that's the second thing to know. Third thing you have to know is that David HaMelech um, had a rebellion. And that was the rebellion that Nosan and said was going to happen. The rebellion that was, a, was an onesh for how he had acted 
in the time of, with Uriah and Bathsheba. And the fact was that there was going to be a Merida that would come from his own son, Absalom. And Absalom for a while was successful. Absalom had at least successful enough to have driven David out of Yerushalayim. And because of that, David was, uh, there was a chance that maybe David would have been Nidcha from being Melech. Now it turned out the tide turned and uh, David returned. Now, one of, you have to realize, David HaMelech also felt a tremendous connection to Shoal and especially to his best friend, Yonatan. And after Yonatan and Shoal had died, David HaMelech searched out what he could to try to keep his promise to Yonatan, to keep his promise to Yonatan that he was going to take care of the descendants of Shoal and especially Yonatan's children. Now, there was some talk about Yonatan having a child, but he wasn't sure. So David HaMelech searched out a, a certain person who was an Ebed, Tziva. I'm not sure if he was an Ebed Kani, where he came from, but he was an Ebed. He was not a free person at that point. And Tziva gave David information that there indeed was a child of Yonatan's. And that child's name was Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, um, why he got that name is another story. But Mephibosheth, uh, had uh, was a, a person, a very brilliant man, and he was a person who, unfortunately, for some reason, was paralyzed or couldn't walk. He had difficulty walking. He was lame, and he couldn't ambulate properly. That was Mephibosheth. Now, uh, David uh, gave Tziva a job. Tziva showed him, Tziva is the one who told him that, that, that where he could find Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth was alive. David Melech said, you know what, I'm going to give Mephibosheth land. I'm going to give him back some of the lands that belonged to Shoal. I don't know if it was all of them, but a good shetach, that that would have been Mephibosheth's uh, property. And Siva would work for Mephibosheth, and he worked for a nice person. You get a nice Parnoso. He didn't necessarily own anything. He was an Evid, but he was still able to work for there. And Mephibosheth had another schut. The other schut he had was that whenever he wanted, he had free entry to go to David HaMelech in the base of Yerushalayim. He was able to eat at his table. He would always be considered a number one guest to come there and to take things. Okay, that was the background. Now, what happened was that, oh, let's throw another element here, uh, when David HaMelech had to escape from Yerushalayim, when, 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 when Absalom uh, becomes Melech, or tries to become Melech, and David is running away from his life, David expects the people that are his people, like Mephibosheth, who he has turned to, who he has been, he has been Mekarev, that they should join him in exile. It turned out that Mephibosheth did not come. In fact, the, David finds Tziva, and Siva tells, tells David, David asks, where's Mephibosheth? And Siva says, well, he's not coming. He's going to stay in Yerushalayim because he figures with all this turmoil, with Avshalom becoming king, and maybe Avshalom will be knocked out. Maybe this way I'll get it back. So in other words, Avshalom, uh, Mephibosheth was not the friend that David thought he was. He wasn't his best friend's son who he was taking care of. He was a person who was duplicitous and he was actually holding a grudge and he was hoping that David would be driven out or killed or something. And somehow with all the turmoil in the country, the Malchus would come back to Beishol and there would be people that would support him and he could maybe become Melech in some way. That was what Siva told him. Now, at that point, when David Amelech was approached, when David heard that, he said, Siva, 
He says, you're going to get, I'm going to give you everything, all those fields. I'm going to, in a sense, I guess, free you or something. And you're going to be, you're going to own all those fields that I say should be one of Mibosheth. Mibosheth is now, based on my power as king, he's going to lose all those fields. Well, it turned out that when um, uh, Rashi explains that this was not a matana that he was able to give at that point, but it was an atanai. In other words, he was going to see and, and find out whether it was really true that Mephibosheth was a turncoat and a rebel. And if it turned out that he was a rebel, then the, the, the matana was a matana. But he started to believe what Siva had said. Later, when David HaMelech returns back from, uh, and Avisholam has died, and David comes back uh, to take the throne properly again, uh, he asks Mephibosheth what was going on, and Mephibosheth explains himself. And the way Mephibosheth appears to him when he comes to explain himself is suspicious in David's eyes. He looks sloppy. He doesn't look like he's happy. Most people felt this was a triumphant return. David Amelech is back. But Mephibosheth didn't shave. Mephibosheth seemed to have some issues with his grooming, with his hairiness and stuff, and he didn't shave those things off. He almost appeared as if he was upset that David had come back. So even though Mephibosheth gave an excuse of why he didn't join David, and he seemed to say that he did love David, David Amelech still felt there was enough here to actually, and although it was somewhat of a suffix to him, David Amelech then splits all the fields. He, in a sense, frees Tziva and gives Tziva 50% of all the fields. And Mephibosheth keeps the other 50%. That's the story. Now, in that story, what it appears is, is that David believed what Tziva had said, which means David was Makabal Lashon Hara. So Rob says, let's take a look. Now, I told you the story. Everything's going to go very quickly. Here we go. This is when David asks Tziva, I'm running away. My friend should be with me. Where is Mephibosheth? I'm sorry. This is where, in the beginning, I'm sorry. This is not when he's running away. I made a mistake. This is when he's trying to discover Mephibosheth. He says, who is he? Where is he? Where is the son of Yonatan that I should? This is before the rebellion. He says, uh, so Tziva says, there is a son. So Rashi explains, that he's nobody special. Below Davar is not a place. Below Davar means that Mephibosheth, he's a son, he is Yonason's son, but there's nothing significant about him. Aha. He's below Davar, he's a son. And what happened? He actually did find him, just where Tziva said he was. But he was not below Davar. He was below Davar. He was actually an incredible person. He was a person that was below Davar. How was he? What does that mean? He was below Davar. That he was a person who was actually full of Torah. He was a person that had a tremendous, he had tremendous Torah knowledge. So what happens is, David should have seen already that something is going on between Siva and Mephibosheth. He should see that Siva, the Shakrahu, that Siva lies about Mephibosheth, right? 
He should see that he's below davar. What, again, what was the tziva said originally before all the turmoil happened? Eino chacham b'torah, Rashi says. Vumotzam alei davar, v'chacham b'torah. So basically, you should have already seen what was going on here. You should see, obviously, again, you know whether a person knows how to learn or not. Certain people, you, you can't tell. They're big. They're, they, they, as we say in Yiddish, they prava anivus in such a way. They act in, in such a way as if nobody uh, realizes who they are. So you're not sure. But to, to say somebody is a zero, when you know you clear, every time you talk to him, if you boshes, different terror will come out of his mouth like pearls. So you realize that he's lying about that. Okay. So therefore, he should have realized whatever, he, whatever Tziva says about him, he should take with much more than a grain of salt. So therefore, Kihadar, when later, during the, uh, during the nexus, during the crux of the rebellion, when he asks, where's Mephibosheth? Aushin alayu. Tziva lies. Tziva says, Aushin hara about him. My time a kibli minei. Nechsev. V'yore melech al Tziva. Melech said to Tziva, he's running away. He's still the melech. Even though he's on the run, he's saying, Aya ben Adonecha. Where is Shoal's grandson? In other words, where's the son of, where's the son, the grandson of Shoal? He's still in Yerushalayim, says Rashi. I'm going to get back what should have been Yonason's and then mine. I'm going to stay here and who knows what's going to happen to Avshalom. That's what Siva said. Hmm. Okay, that was the Lashon Hara. How do you know David believed it? You're going to get it all. Up until now, you're just Mr. Evan. I'm going to give you all those fields, all that nice shetach that I said was going to go to Mibibosheth, that he would be comfortable because he was Jonas and son. You're going to have it. Okay, thank you. Thank you for this gift. Uh, so you see that David was wrong. Shmuel Amar, Shmuel disagrees. Shmuel says, Why? Why is that called Kabbalah's Lashonara? Because there's something in the way Mephibosheth acted that you could tell there's something going on. Yes, in other words, Kabbalah's Lashonara means to believe what was said. They're not just, in other words, it's not just empty words. It really could be true. And you're not rejecting it. And you're, you're sort of accepting it. That's what Kabbalah Soshan Haram means. David had a reason why he had a heter to be Makabo the Loshan Because there were other things around the situation that indicated that it was true what Siva had said. Why? Nechsev, what does the Pasuk say? It says, and we'll read the Pasuk here right on the side. Even though normally, again, people wore shorts and he had, I guess, very hairy legs and normally he would have to like, you know, shave his legs a little bit, I guess. They shouldn't look so disgusting. The loss is tfamai. And, you know, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't, uh, he didn't uh, uh, make his beard and his mustache look better. This begot of Lokibes could even look at his clothes weren't clean. It's been a while since, since David left. The man looks like he hasn't been to a barber or to a cleaner in weeks, however long it was. Why does he look like he's an Avelut? Why does he look sad? Aha. Uh-huh. So David asks him about it. So remember, according to Shmuel, there's something going on here. When David sees him, that sort of like corroborates what it was. 
That sort of corroborates, Shmuel says. In other words, so Shmuel says that David wasn't Makabel the Lushan Harbishas Mice. He kept it in the back of his head. And he waited to see what would happen later. So it really wasn't Kabbalah's Lashon Hara at the time. It was like, I'm Choshesh, it might be true, but I don't really accept it. Let me see what he's going to say later. And take a look, Rashi explains this. Rashi says, Ksavar David, Shenikorim Divritziva, Shenitztar Al Shachazar David, Velokishadatzmo. Because it looks like Tziva was right. When, when, when it's, 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 it's a holiday. It's a holiday. Show the trappy. That's why, according to Shmuel, he wasn't so happy with what David, Mipi Boshas' excuse. We'll see what it is in a minute. And he says, and you'll see in a minute why he wasn't happy. Let's see what let's see what Mephibosheth answers. Why didn't you join me in exile? And he said, he said, what, what happened? He says, Rimoni, my Evid, this Tziva, he, he tricked me. Ki Omar, I said, I said, I said, Tziva, I said, Ach b'shaliach amor. You know, get me the donkey. I'm going to go out with David. And because because I, I need to get there because I can't run. Go, go get me the chamor. Because I'm I'm lame. You know that I'm lame. Okay. So therefore. <laughs> and then what happened? What happened was, <laughs> he, he lied. In other words, he went by foot. He left me. He didn't go get my donkey. I wanted to be there. That bum, that siva. And, and now you're back. <laughs> I consider you an angel of God. You're a slave of God. Well, this is my story. Do what you want. Listen, this doesn't sound good. You know what? What you're saying is not the same. You call me Malach Elohim, like I can do anything. It's great that I'm back. And you look like a bum. He says, what are you still talking for? You know, it seems to me what needs to be said here, Amarti, I'm going to say right now. Okay, maybe there is a chance you might be telling the truth. I don't know. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Atta v'tziva t'chalku v'sazoda. Tziva still gets it, because most of me thinks that I have dvaram nikarim, that you didn't come. I'm not going to take everything away from you. You're going to have 50%. The when he hears that, what does he say? He says, gam esakol yikach. He says, you could take everything. Now that you're back, so it sounds like he's saying, whatever you say, the main thing is, is that the king of Kuala Yisrael is back. The king of Israel is back. Hmm. David didn't like that answer either. This is all part of the Dvarim Hanikarim. Amarlo. Ani Amarti. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. David Amelch, what was he, what was he, what was he going overboard for? So Chazal say he didn't mean this. He says, Ani Amarti. Mibosheth says, Mosai Tava Bishalom. In other words, I, I was waiting for you. 
And now, when you come back, and I'm here, and I'm talking to you, and you're going to take away 50% of everything I own? Truth is, I'm not just mad at you. I'm mad at who? At God. I'm mad at the whole world that how this happened, that God let you come back. You shouldn't be here. You're unfit. Look what you did to me. And I'm mad at God. And that's what the Pesach says in Divrayomim when it talks about Yonason's children. It, it, it says, Uben Yonatan, who's Yonatan's son? Meriv Baal. Hmm. Meriv Baal. Meriv Baal? Pachim Meriv Baal Shmo? How about Shmo? If you take a look in the Sefer in Shmuel, here's Mephibosheth. It's not Meriv Baal. Aha. So Divrayomim is a place to find out the real nature of people. There, it's not just a retelling of some laundryist Manhattan telephone book list of people. It's a way to find out what people are really about. Chazal knew. Chazal knew at a darshan. Divrayomim. El mitok in Bailov. He's the guy who argues. He makes a fight. He doesn't accept. And who, of course, is his ultimate Baal? Not David, but God. Yotzta Baskov Amra. The Baskov man said, Natsah Bar Natsah. He's a Natsah. He's a guy who tries. He's an angry guy. He's an arguer. He doesn't accept. And he's the grandson of, he's also a grandson of a Natsah. Natsah Hadamran. We know he argued. Barnatza, where do we see that he's a Barnatza? The Pasuk says, Fayovoi Shol Ad Ira Malik, the Pasuk says, Fayorev Banachal. Fayorev Banachal. That's where he came, of course, Shol in the Muhammad against Amalek, right? The very, this is, of course, where Shol loses his Malchus. This is where Shol goes to fight against Amalek, and it says there was an argument. In the Nachal. What was that? What was, was it? What Nachal? It wasn't a Nachal. It wasn't a riverbed. And what riverbed was it? It's the city of Amalek. Well, what do we care about it anyway? Amar Ravmani, you know what this was? Al Iske Nachal. Aha. That's something to do with the idea of the Nachal. That's something to do with the halacha of what? The halacha of Nachal? Of, says Rashi, about Nachal. Eitan, about the din of the din of Eglarufa, when you find a dead person. This is what Shol Tainid. Shol was told by Shmuel, kill them out. Kill Amalek out. Kill them out. Kill man, woman, child, animal, everyone. It was very difficult for Shol to accept that. It says, You see what it is what you see, what the life, you see the way the Torah itself says, how you yourself, God, said what human life is worth. One body's dead. We, the whole city, the Sanhedrin comes out and measures. We make such a big deal about it. These are human beings. And even if you want to say that the adults have been raised to hate Kal Yisrael and to be our terrible Nazi-like enemies. What about the younger ones? What about the children? What about the babies? Should we kill them as well? And that's one of the reasons why that Shoal left Agag alive and possibly left some other children alive. And we know because of that, that's why Haman comes into the world. That's why he's called Hagogi, because Shoal had Rachmanus. 
That's why we say that, of course, Shoal's descendants, and that was, of course, uh, uh, Esther and, um, and Mordechai, who were the ones who were massacred this chet. They didn't have the Rachmanis. Milchoma Mobek Mijia Kilam, 75,000 all then. That was the Tikkun. But Shoal was a, Shoal argued with God. So you see that he's an arguer. His grandson, Mibiboshes, is also an arguer. And that's where, so again, according to Shmuel, it wasn't, that's not an Avera. But Rav disagrees. So the great Chofetz Chaim in his book on the Hilchatz Lashonara has many pages devoted with biurim and understanding about the Machlekes Rav and Shmuel and the idea of Dvaram Anikarim. And in this time of Corona, it's a very big schus to be able to learn the Sefer Chofetz Chaim and to know it, the Chavetz Chaim over here shows you it's not just learning Musr and crying and saying I'm bad, it's learning up Sugyus and the Ilchas Lashonar and understanding exactly the Nafkamina. The Chavetz Chaim is Magdir exactly what Dvaramani Kari means and what does it mean when you, the situation around it might look like you have the right to Makabal Lashonar or not. That's where the Machlekes with Rav and Shmuel was, whether it was true Dvaramani Karim or not. But Rob says that there wasn't enough Tvaramani Karim. And therefore, what he did was wrong. And take a look what Rob said because of that happened. When that happened, which was the Kabbalah Slashanara, and giving Tziva something he didn't deserve, the Basko came down and said, David, you're going to have a grandson, Rechavam, and Yerobam. The same way you split this into two, and it shouldn't have been split. It should be just one piece of property. Let Siva know his place. There's going to be someone who shouldn't, who should have known his place called Yerobam, and he's going to take over half of the Malchus, and your descendant is only going to get half. And Rav went even further. If David hadn't done that, based David then that wouldn't have happened. Incredible. There wouldn't have been a Malchus based on in Malchus Yisrael. There would have been one country. And we know that Yeruvam was the one who started to institute Eglim. He put the Eglezav, he put them there. He brought back the primal Chet of Klai Yisrael, of the Chet Ha'egel, and Klai Yisrael kept on doing it again and again and again. And it got entrenched into Klai Yisrael's DNA almost. I wouldn't say that, but their mentality of how to be a religious Jew, to be even a Vedazara. And it was something that stuck with us like a cancer, like a scab that couldn't go out. Because of that, we went into Golas. Therefore, this Kabbalah's Lashon look what it led to. That's a pretty heavy thing. I'd be so careful when you act on information because Rob is saying it led to all those terrible consequences. And again, he is the name, if you've been following, it's Shmuel Bar Nachmeni, the great Amor of Agadita. He has some in Yonam HaLacha too, but he was Mephorsome, as the Baritzchiyu says in Mayit Kotten. He almost had a base medrash all about Machshava and Ashkafa. What does he say? Kol HaOimer. Who else? Who are we talking about now? Kol HaOimer. Shlomo Chato. Aha. Enoel Latoya. Shenemar. The Pesach says, by Shlomo. Let's take a look. Let's take a look and see what the Pesach says by Shlomo. It says, 
That what happened? I'll show you the Pasuk again inside. I just want you to see it. It's here on the side. The women had done what? The women had pushed him away, his heart, towards foreign gods. And his heart was not showing with God. Like the heart of David, his father. Three psukim later, what does it say? It says, Oz Yivne Shlomo Bama. Shlomo built a Bama, Lichamosh, Shukatz Moav, Bahar Asher, Bahar Asher, Pnei Yerushalayim. He built a Bama to Chamosh that was the Avodah Zorah of Moav. And it was on a mountain right by Yerushalayim. And where you, where you come into Yerushalayim, there was an Avodah Zorah to Moav. And then, there was another Avodah Zarah there for Molech, Shukatz Pnei Amon. There was Amon's Avodah Zarah and Moab's Avodah Zarah, and you can see them right there prominently in Yerushalayim. Okay. Sounds like Shlomo went bad by, by those women. Says Shmuel Bar Nachmeni. No. If you think he's even Avodah Zarah, he wasn't. Why? Because the same Pasuk that says the women changed him, it says, He wasn't like David. He didn't have that pure heart of David. But he didn't actually do a Vodazara. Is that so? Aye, what does it say? It says the women pushed his heart. Rav Nosen says, Rav Nosen says, look at the Pasuk. It says, That sounds like they captured his heart. They turned him into a befuddled type of King Lear idiot, made him do Avedazorah. The next part of the Pasuk says, So how could you say that women possessed his heart? It's the second part of the Pasuk says, he wasn't like David. They should have said they turned him into a fool. They turned him into an Avedazorah. It must be what Hachikamar. Vayhi leeziknas Shlomo Noshev hitu eslavavoy lo leches. That's the key. They tried to push him, and in a way, they tried to convince him. And and some part of him was thinking maybe, but he didn't go. He didn't do it. In other words, yes, there was some doubt. Their womanly wiles, their beauty. Who else? When I was in fifth, fourth grade, my Rebbe taught me about this, Rabbi Silverman of Shalom. And he said the pshat was that David was trying, Shlomo was trying to be a diplomat. He was trying to be diplomatic. He was trying to uh, create a big union of all these different countries. So because of that, uh, he figured for diplomatic reasons, uh, again, he didn't really mean to marry these women. He didn't really love them. He didn't really have relations with them. He didn't say that by Rebbe, but that's what he was implying, that this was just a marriage in order to create some sort of great diplomatic umbrella for the, the super state of Yisrael under Shlomo's Malchus. And that marrying those wives was a diplomatic, uh, convenient relationship. 
So maybe in the same way, what Rabbi Silverman said, that maybe that's what he was thinking. Look, maybe for diplomacy, look, uh, we know we, I brought these women here. And there's a bunch of these goyim here. Uh, okay, I'd like to maybe turn them into keeping, not to keep Avedah Or Maybe it's a good idea we'll have them, we'll have uh, some Avedah here for them. Of course, the good Jews won't do it, but for diplomacy reasons, we'll keep the Avedah Zara there. Says, that's it, what it was. <laughs> he built it. So we're going to say, according to Shmuel Barnachmeni, Neshebikesh Livnos, Philobana. Why? Because Oz Yivne. In other words, that was on the plan. There were plans to get it built, but it never got done. Is that so? Whatever says Oz Yivne, it means it, it, it was going to be built, but it didn't, because Yivne is in the future. El Mayat, how can you give such a Dochik Teretz? It says by Yoshua, Oz Yivni Yeshua Mizbach Hashem. You want to say Shabikesh Livnos Lobana, that he never built it? Yivne means it was built. El Debana. Shlomo built the Mizbeach, Hochinami Debana. Shlomo had those things built. He's the one who released the funds to get those two Geferlech Avedezara Getchkas, giant Getchkas built in Yerushalayim. So what does it mean? Okay, what's this Pasuk talking about? This Pasuk, you take a look here, is in Melochim Beis. It's by another person we're going to end up, we're going to be talking about soon. Yoshio HaMelech, the last true Melech of Klal Yisrael, of course, his son was Melech, but the great, last great Tzadik king of of, that we've had from Beis Dov to Yoshio HaMelech. So what does it say he did? That's, of course, uh, that is Harazesim, uh, that Shlomo built to Ashtarots, L'Chamosh, to Moab. What did he do? He got rid of them. He got rid of all those ones that Timei HaMelech, Yoshio HaMelech got rid of them. So what does it say? It says that Yeshua Melech, hundreds of years later, got rid of the Avodah Zarah that Shlomo had built. Now, think about it. Ebshabo Asa, one of the Melochim in between, also was a Tzaddik, below Biram. You don't think he would have gotten rid of such a thing? Yoshofat, below Biram. These were Tzaddikim. Maybe not on the Madrig of Yoshio, but you don't think they would have gotten rid of the Avodah Zarah? Ad Shabo Yoshio, or Biram? Question mark. Whatever came to Avodah true, they did Bamos and everything, but whatever they could, Asa, Yoshofot, Biorum. So why don't you think they got rid of that? <laughs> so it must be that this whole Pusik, which equates Yoshio, Amelech, and Shlomo, is not, not true. It's semi-true. What does that mean? Makish Rishonim Lachronim. We're going to make a comparison between Shlomo and Yeshua HaMelech. Ma'achronim, when it comes to Yeshua also, they didn't really do it. What did they do? So Rashi says, yeah, there was some Avodah Zarah there. What Avodah Zarah was that? Let's take a look. What Avodah Zarah was that? What Avodah Zarah was it that was down there? What Avodah Zarah was there? Let's take a look. He didn't really get rid of Kamush and the Shikuts of Moab. But still, the Navi, it's written, 
in forever in the Sefer Tanakh and Sefer Malachim as if he did it. Someone who reads it and doesn't really know the story will get the impression Yoshio was the first king who finally did it. But what did he really do? He got rid of some other stuff. What was the other stuff? The stuff that crapped up after Yoshafat. Yoshafat. But it's not like he cleaned up the town completely. He drained the swamp. So it's just a way to overstate the fact. In other words, we're trying to make him sound better than he actually was because he maybe would have done it that he could. So we give him the big muscles, but he really doesn't have such big muscles. Shlomo. Shlomo didn't do it either. Still, it said he built it. Why? We mentioned it was Shlomo's job. Because he didn't stop his wives. So really what happened was Shlomo got old. His wives got power. His wives, without realizing, without Shlomo knowing exactly what was going on, had it built. And he was not strong enough to stop them. He didn't try to stop them. It was really his wives that did it. <laughs> so the Gemara says, I, the Pesach says, says, Shlomo did evil. What was the evil? Which was the whole subject, why we started getting into this. Why we started talking about the parables of Azariah. What was the evil? That's the whole thing. If the people close to you, near you, are doing Averis, you can't just say it's not worth it. The Torah, in infamy, Shlomo Melech's going to live with that. And Gan Eden, that Sadiq that he was, Shlomo Melech is going to live with this because he did not put the pressure against them and stop them. Malavakosev kivuchoto. Amr of Yudam or Shmuel, the truth is, Nayach Leila Eisat Tzadik. He was a Tzadik, Shlomo HaMelech. We read his words of Mishle, Kayeles, Shir Ashirim. You don't think he's a Tzadik? He was a Tzadik. But it was better for that Tzadik, Shishamish Ludovaracher. He should have lost his Malchus and become a, a Shamish. He should have become a trust, a, a turnkey, a guy that was the, the Shamus by an Avedis Arishti. But that's what happens. That's what happens. What happened? When, she got, when they got married, and like Rabbi Silverman said, for diplomatic reasons, what happened? She brought in a thousand types of instrumental things to play. The she said to him, She says, Here, uh, this is the French horn. We do this for Pepe Le Pew of Odezara. Oh, and this is the bassoon drum. We do this for Confucius of Odezara. Okay, okay, store it somewhere in the back. He should have realized what's going on here. She ain't coming in to, to cover her hair and, and white Shabbos licht. Amr Yudam Mishmu, he said further, Gavriel went and he put a little reed into the sea right off the Mediterranean. And what happened? And all of a sudden around it swirled land pieces. There was a little reed. And all of a sudden, like a magnet, it attracted all a bunch of land. And what happened? It became something. It became a real strong piece of land. 
And eventually that land became what? Belov Nivna Krach Godul Sharomi. That's where Rome was built. Rome that ended up ruining the Bayacheni, destroying the Beisamikdosh, and all the ugly things that the Roman aspect of the world, the way Rome looks at the world, might makes right. It was all happened. It all started when Shlomo decided to become cosmopolitan. And a price it says when in Yeruvim had Jews doing about Azar again, that little, that little island, that little piece of material, a little piece of land got a hut built on it. And that was, again, the capital city. It's not Greece, but that's that Italy from Rome and all the ugliness that came from there. The Holy Roman Empire. This is his last word. If you think he was a about tshuva again. A guy who did tshuva. So how could you say he never did an Avera? It says he did tshuva with all his heart, with all his nefesh. That's all what we say in Kriyashma. Sounds like he had a lot to do tshuva for. Okay, he ended up being all right, but how can you say he never did an Avera? He did tshuva. So what does he say? doesn't mean that he did tshuva for an Avera. What does it mean, b'chol mo'yadai? Because shekol din shedon b'ben shmeinat shmeinasrei, he was thrust into a position of power. He was a bar seichel, a koton, a tzaddik, and he already paskined for people, alpi din ha-melech, when he was eight years old. And he paskined for ten years. For ten years he was called in to be a judge, and he paskined based on his seichel and understanding of Torah. But then someone told him, you know what? We don't take a dying until at least he's 18. You've been a dying here from eight. I know you're the king. He says, you know what? Maybe I, maybe my brains weren't pure then. Maybe there's certain things I didn't see. I want all those cases. I have a record of all the cases I paskened. Anybody that he had ruled against, he reversed it. And he gave them back their money. You know what he did? He took the person that he had uh, was zochened in, and he took the money away from him? No. That's what it means. That he gave them back from his own private funds, just in case he passed wrong. That's how big of a tzaddik it was. But Rob says, he, the part the Pasuk means Kipshutai. He's talking about Shuvah. Because in his generation, he was the Spitz about Shuvah. That's what we should look at. And there's someone like that in our door, Rav said. Umana. Who is he? He's Abba Vua de Rabirmia. Who is he? He's Abba. Rabirmia's father. Rabirmia Barabba. That guy, Abba. He's the best, biggest about Shuvah. 
Some say it was Ahua the Abba of Udav Yirmiya. So Rav Yirmiya's it was Rav Yirmiya's uh, uncle. Okay, the Amar Mar Rabbi Abba Vacha they were brothers. Abba and Acha were brothers. One of them is the biggest Malchuba. Now I looked at this Gemara. I said, okay, it's like a shtickle. It's beautiful, but it's I don't know if they're so happy that they're known as the biggest Malchuba, right? I guess you see from Chazal that it wasn't considered a giron at all. Because you become about Shuvah, I guess your Averis become mitzvahs. Your Averis nasen nepkolem l'skuyot. So even though it sort of indicates that they had they had what to do Shuvah for, they were the biggest Balei Shuvah. Amar of Yasef, that was in Rav's time. Now it's two generations later, we have one in our generation who's like a Yeshoya Melech. And who is he? Ukvin Bar Nechemia, Reish Kalusa. Okay, this could have been Mar Ukva, according to some. Rashi seems to say that. That he was the big Baltruva. Mahainu, he's the same one as Nosan de Tzutzisa. Aha. So what does that mean? He was called Nosan of Tzutzis. They were sparks. Nosan de Tzutzisa. Let's take a look at Rashi. Al Shem Nitzitz and Denaira. Those are the sparks of fire. That's the sparks that come out of a malach because the malach says, yes, you can join the, the agents of God where God is makabu tshuva from you and the malach's fire sparks as an indicator. Okay. Another reason why is <laughs> the malach grabbed him by his chup by the hair, by his, by his, by his, the locks of his hair on, on his forehead. Those of us that have some, some of us don't. But the point is, he was able to grab him there, and that's why he was called, the Malach took him and made him a Baltruva. How does he know? How did, how did uh, Rabbi Yosef know that? Because I received the Bepirkov, I become an Amnim. I was sitting there, sometimes maybe some of you are doing this right now. I was sitting in Shir and I fell asleep. And I saw a dream. And who was I dreaming about? Marukva, about Nosan Tzutzisa. And I saw that there was a Malach, the Kaposhet Yodei Vikable. And I knew that's what was happening, that he was being the Skabal as a Valtruva. I guess the question really is, you know, what was he a Valtruva from? What, what, what Avera did he do? Not so simple. There is uh, a uh, Taisvis here on the side, I believe, brings down. Is it over here on the side of the page? No, not here. Um, here it is. That he was about Shuva, Shonosan Einov, and a certain woman. And um, he really wanted this woman. And he couldn't get her out of his mind. And what happened once was that uh, he had lent money to, I guess, his wife, to the woman's husband. She was married. And I don't know why the husband couldn't come to the house. And she came to the house to repay. And it was a perfect situation where he had her. She had come to him. And he was able to be misgaber on himself. And he was able to throw that taiva out. And that's how he became the Baltruva. And that's all that it takes sometimes to become an incredible Baltruva, to know where your weaknesses are and be able to overcome them. Hadran aloch bama behema, hadran aloch bama behema, hadran aloch bama behema. And from bama behema, we go to bama isha.
<laughs> we know that the same way there's issues of animals walking out because it might be Hitzah, and we're worried about humans taking them out and falling off. Animals, could, stuff can fall off of them too. And that is also a problem. I mean, human stuff could fall off, right? Even though they seem to be wearing it and it's not going to fall off, maybe it will. And if it will, we're afraid, as Rashi says, for two reasons. What are we afraid of humans carrying stuff, of wearing stuff? Isn't it a beged? No. Because, as Rashi says, some are considered what? It's a beautiful thing to wear. But a woman's going to say, hey, you hear what you see what I have? Oh, look, let me see that ring. Is it from Cartier? Is it from Kmart? What is it? And they look at it and show it. And then once they have it in their hand, they don't put it back, back on their finger, and they walk off with it. Or it's something, a brooch that they're wearing, or a tiara that they're wearing. So certain tachshitim, we feel lend themselves to showing off. And when you show them off, you have it in your hand, you're no longer wearing it. Other ones are a problem of what? The other ones are problems they might fall off. So that's why we made Xerah the Rabbanon against many, many Tachshitim. Let's see what they are. This is stuff in their hair. These are strands of material in their hair. So maybe it's to make their hair look better. Maybe it's to make their hair look fuller. Maybe it's their hair to look more pretty. They didn't all wear shaytach. So therefore, what they wore, or maybe it was a way, as Rashi says, this is the way they would braid their hair with these strands. Not on Shabbos. If the strands are made of tzemer, they're made of wool. They're made of pisht on a flax. Right? Those are all different types of ritzuas that they have in her head. Can't walk out with them. Also, a tithful man. She can't go to the mikvah with them. Because according to the mikvah, we know the water has to and has to has to reach those parts of the body, of the body and the hair. She needs to loosen them. These are also types of things that she wears around her head. The type of things that we said and Rashi told us before, she might want to take off. Bizman Unless they're actually sewn in. They're sewn in because, as Rashi says, In other words, every woman wore something. Every woman wore some sort of cap on her head. That was the sifcha. But around the sifcha, she would around wear other stuff. The sifcha she always wore. That we, weren't, we didn't think she would take off because you know what that would happen? As Rashi says, She ain't no tell us a sifcha. Because we're talking about sneeze women at that time. And they didn't want all their hair to become revealed. So we're not worried about the sifcha. But the other stuff around it, to make the cap where, where most of the hair was put under, the cap we're not worried about. The stuff around it, which is, again, the totafot, the sarvitim, and the kovul. Even the kovul, which was under the sifcha, it would stick, in other words, it would go under, but then some of it would stick out and it would look pretty and she would be able to actually take that, like, 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 like when a magician takes the uh, tablecloth from the table. She would be able to take the kavul out without causing her hair to all fall loose from the svacha, even though it was under the svacha, and she would show that because the kavul was also a very usually a pretty thing. Don't go that way to Rishul Sarabim. Because she's going to have it in her hand, and she's going to forget. 
Next. The lobe ear shows off. What was the ear shows off? Your shalayim. But what was it? Kamin nushka. Rashi says it was a brooch. Other Rishonim say there was actually like something, a tiara you wore on your head. But when, when you looked at it, you saw Yerushalayim Shel Zahav. You had, a, you had a, it, 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 it brought the idea of Yerushalayim home. Don't wear that. Lobakatla. See what that is. That's something around her neck, a choker. Lobinazomim, Lobatabat. Not with ear, not with a nose ring. Not with ring, Shayna Lachotzek, right? If it's a ring, that's not a man's ring. It's a woman's ring. She can't walk with it. Loba Macha Shayna Nakuva. And she can't go ever Sarabim with this brooch. It's a, it's a needle, but it's really a brooch that keeps the two parts of her, her baguette together and was pretty. Nope. Vim look, try to stop her. And a Chevaschatas, it's only the Rabona. So the question the Gemara has, we'll just do this. Who's mentioning anything about going to the mikvah? What, what is this business about Tvila? What are we talking about Tvila for? It says that you shouldn't go to the mikvah with them. Aha, This is the reason. What's the reason why? Come on. All she's trying to do is keep her hair in braided properly and it looks nice. Why don't, let, why don't you let her out? And you think she's going to undo it? If she, undo, she undoes this, won't her hair fall out? And then we see, say before that the svacha is not a problem. Aren't these chutin the same thing? No, the problem is different. She's not going to show them off. But what's going to happen is, because the chachamim say, when a woman happens, that she has to go to the mikvah, we don't say, let her go in like that. Even though you could have made a case to say the water could penetrate, lo No, she can't go straight into the water with them. She needs to loosen them at least. Once she's loosening them, she probably figures, yeah, she'll probably just take them off. Since she, these things that braid her hair, these ropes and things that cause the hair to be braided, when she needs to go to the mikvah, she needs to undo them, loosen them in order for the tefillah to be a tefillah that works. We don't let her go out on Shabbos. Why? Not because she might take it off to show off. Because maybe there will be women who need to go to the mikvah Friday night. She's gonna, and she'll loosen them. And what will happen? They'll go completely loose. And then she's going to get dressed. She wants to run back home. Once she has them off, right? As Rashi says, right, she's on her way home. And what's going to happen? So she's going to be running home, and she's going to be having these in her hands. So therefore, to stop that from happening, we don't let her put those braids in in the beginning. What about Tike Khalil Tamai? What about that you have these uh, these uh, things in their hair, Shasharot, Rashi says, but they are of, of a kind that uh, they're 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 halul. They're not all one strip. They are, uh, you can see where, where, where there's a hole in them. They, they piece together, but they're not like one solid thing. Would that be a problem? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question, Yonatan. I don't know. Good question to think about. But anyway, you don't want to know if we have our A-Rev since we're learning about this. But anyway, let's take a look. So he says, 
Amarleh says that's not a problem because those chaliltas, they're almost made like they have to be woven. The care that's taken to make them means that it's not so thick. In other words, it's, it's, it's not so tight. It's not so compact. And therefore, the water is not going to be a problem getting in there. So therefore, that's like arig. That's like it's woven. Right? Arig kamrit. Koshu arig lo gozru. If it's the type of thing that's arig and she has that on her hair, that you don't have to worry about because that, she can go into the mikvah just like that. She, she's not going to be forced to even loosen it. The water will definitely go through. That if it's something that is woven, that type of material is not part of the gzeira, and, and she can wear that on Shabbos outside, because even if she has to go to the mikvah, we're not worried about her definitely taking it off and having it in her hand. I saw my own sisters, and they keep halacha, that they go out with these type of things in their hair on Shabbos. So the Gemara says, okay, what's really the difference? What do we need an ikad the Amri for? It's mutter. Gemara says, Let's say somehow she fell in the mud or whatever, and these things have got mud on them. These chike chaliltas. So if you say it's koshu or gozru, anything that's not really spun tightly, but woven, there's no gzera, because they can basically get into the mikveh anyway, and we don't think they're definitely going to take it off. Haninami orug. It's called orug. But if you say that the proof is from what his sisters did, because his sisters would walk with them, right? They don't care, right? In other words, when they, I said it wrong before, he knew that his sisters, when they would go to the bath, they would not take them off. They would go into the bath with them. He, I guess he knew from his sisters, that's what they would do. So you see that it has to do with Kpeda. Kivan de Tinfa Mikbad Kapte Alayu. So here, even though it's Aurig, but if they got dirty, you know that they don't want those in the mikvah with them. Because if they take them into the mikvah, even though it's true, it won't be a chatzitza, but the water will shake loose some of that mud that's encrusted onto these uh, onto these ritzuos, and it's going to get on her body, right? As it is on her head, it's one thing. But she's not going to the mikvah with it, so she'd probably take it off. So therefore, according to the Ika, the army, that it's based on kapeda, if it's dirty, even though it's got a little bit of dirt around it, she wouldn't be able to walk around with it on Shabbos because it would be included in that gzeira of possibly having to go to the mikvah where we know, based on Kameda. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.